WTF, we're doing a podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Michelle. This is 50. Welcome to What the 50. Join us on our continued journey to simplify our lives. We will seek the answers from the experts and offer tips, tools, and techniques to live your life with confidence and joy. Are we ready? Let's go. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm good. So tonight we're having Calvin Wright from Gradco. Mm-hmm. I'm dying for this one because um, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, and too. I just think um, he just has he has he's inspired me already, and and you know I, we haven't met yet, yeah. and I'm already inspired by him. And we need to find out more about what he's doing his PhD on. Yes, because yes. it sounds very interesting. Something about the intersection of real estate, labor, labor e- e- economics, um, housing economics inequality in real estate uh, is it in or and real estate i don't know, I don't know. we'll, take, we'll, we'll, we'll have to find out all he will tell us what it is all about i'm dying to hear though so yeah. tell me how you know calvin because um i just happened to book him up on instagram one day well calvin was actually kalen's sat advisor from oh, college okay. and he's very inspiring to kalen he's mm-hmm. so organized and mm-hmm. um he would like send Kaylin articles and different places to read things. I hope Kaylin was reading that. I'm but, sure but, he read them. But anyhow, he was really good mm-hmm. um, with his English. And, and he's so felt, young. Yeah. Can you imagine? 25. 25. He's so young. And he's going to be doing his PhD. Oh, I'm dying to hear the, the journey. Um, and I know our listeners are going to be in for a real treat. And also what Gradco is offering to Jamaica and to the rest of the world. And I think I'm going to end up being um, one of his, his um, clients because I, I need advice. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know where to go with, my, with this PhD dream that I have. And I'm, I'm sure he can, he can guide me. I think so too. So let's see what he has. Let's hear what he Let's see. Let's hear what he has to say. Okay. So today we're here with Calvin Wright. You know, I wanted to call you Calvin Harris. (laughs) Or Calvin Klein, actually. Oh, but Calvin Wright is going to be someone famous. I think Calvin Wright's pretty famous now. (laughs) We're getting there. We're all about him. Right. So, Mish, you read about Calvin a little bit, right? I did, and I was, I was very, very impressed, um, and, and I felt very proud knowing that here we have a Jamaican who is all the way in California um, and doing the things that you're doing. And, I mean, you're, you're a scholar, and you're mentoring and inspiring other young ones. And, I mean, already you're an inspiration to me. Um, I feel like at your age, you're, you're doing so much. You know, I'm, I'm trying to reflect in, in the short time. I'm saying, gosh, did I do all of that when I was that age? And my answer was like, no. But you know what I love about him, though? I love the entrepreneurial step. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But Excellent. anyhow, enough about how we <laughs> think you are, Calvin. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about where you started and, and where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, where did I start? Um, first of all, I'm so happy to join you guys for this podcast. Um, I guess I like saying I started from like very humble beginnings. Um, I grew up in Jamaica, of course. I'm very much Jamaican. I claim no other country. Um, but I grew up on Waltham Park Road um, with a single mother 
And I love I love any opportunity I get to talk about my mother. I'm very much a mother's boy. Um, and so, yeah, my mom, she dropped, dropped out of high school when she was 15 with my eldest sister. Um, you know, I grew up only with her. I never lacked anything, you know, growing up because of her. And, and the, the, the older I get and the wiser I get, the more I realize how, just how similar we are. Um, and just how much just her her own entrepreneurial spirit influenced mine. She was a higlod in um, downtown Kingston, you know, selling like slippers on the roadside. I remember being there on like cardboard on the ground with her selling fish or slippers or whatever. And yeah, I, I never lacked anything, school fee, books, anything at all. Um, she gave it to me, every graduation, every prize giving, everything, she was there. And so she was, she's really who kind of pushed me to just focus on school. There are so many distractions growing up in Waltham Park from you know, the boy them playing football on the road, uh, the gangs, to, uh, there's anything at all that, that can distract you. And um, so yeah, she really just pushed me to just focus on school and school was just my, my own thing. So I went to George's, that was my first choice. Um, loved George's, did well there. Was head boy, valedictorian, the whole wow, that was my father's school. Um, really? <laughs> uh, Manning's Cup for George's. Oh, really? Uh, so I was not a footballer. I was not athletic at all. Um, nowadays I work out, but I was very much a nerd while I was at, was at George's. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went to George's. Then I you know, started, I, want, I, I knew I always wanted more. I, I didn't know what more meant, but I knew I wanted more for a very long time. And I kind of understood that Jamaica wasn't necessarily in a position to offer me what I wanted. And so I decided to study Abroad, I applied to a bunch of colleges uh, and got the Lafayette Jamaica Scholarship to go to Lafayette College, where I studied economics and French, um, but also like finance. While I was at Lafayette, French, right? Yep. So I'm fluent in French. I actually came first in the Caribbean in Cape French. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Madame Wang and Georges for, for that. But yeah, so I, I knew I wanted more, and I knew that meant something more international. So even in high school, I went to this conference in in Nice, France, and I think Monaco. Um, and I, I didn't know what more meant at the time, but now even today, I'm just getting more clarity on what, what that means. Um, and so while at Lafayette in undergrad, I studied economics, French, and math. And I interned on Wall Street, which is a whole a whole story. Um, got a full-time offer there, but I hated it. It was oh, so bad. you didn't bad. want to be one of those, as what my boys call the, one of those finance bros? Oh, gosh. I... I absolutely hated it i'd be in the office at like 6 30 before the market opens i leave at like 11 p.m most days oh, just wow. absolutely yeah. grinding I, yeah I, I don't think the work was very intellectually stimulating and so that was that wasn't helpful at all and so i gave that up and i was like you know what? i'm gonna apply to phd programs but little did i know that phd programs in economics and finance are significantly hard to get into and so because of that you really nowadays because programs in finance, for example, are so small, they might take like three people every year. Berkeley this year took three people and but hundreds of people will apply. Um, you really have to spend two years as a pre-doc, which is what I am now, um, essentially being the sorry, project. Two years oh, as a what, sorry? Pre-doc. A pre-doc. So pre-doc is like pre-doctoral. You want a little bit about that? What's a pre-doc? Yeah, so a pre-doc, is, it's short for pre-doctoral research fellow. And so essentially you are the, the protege of a professor who is perhaps tenured at some school. And the, the goal is that you help them do it with their own research and develop your own like research toolkit. And then they will write you a letter of recommendation to their colleagues at other top schools to say, hey, you know, 
I have this student who I've worked with for two years. He'd be a great fit for your program. And so that's kind of the route I had to take to then be admitted to so many different programs in, in the Let US. Let me ask you a question. When you're doing this pre-doc, do they pay you like as a... They yeah. Yeah. So um, I receive a, a salary. Yeah. So it is it is salaried um, and you get certain uh, like tuition benefits. So classes are at a reduced cost. And so I took a bunch of math classes while I was at Berkeley. Um, I could also audit classes. You're very much a part of the PhD community. So you attend seminars, you give seminars um, and you just become more exposed to the profession okay. and understand the profession okay. as well. But, but let me ask you, though, did you do your your master's prior to going into the pre-doc program? Yeah, or was so it's undergrad so, into pre-doc. That's a great question. So I went straight from undergrad to pre-doc, but okay. the the people who I replaced and the people who I worked with, they all had masters. And so I was really it was really weird for me to be not only the only black person, but the youngest person the youngest, um, yeah. here as well. But if your goal is to get a PhD in economics or finance, a master's isn't necessarily helpful because it's a research degree, and masters in the US and UK tend to prepare you for industry. So if you want to work on Wall Street or with IMF, the World Bank, that kind of thing. And so it's much more valuable to have a pre-doc um, than a master's. And master's. Okay, okay. That's, that's good info. Yeah. Yes. And Great. of course, you pass that on to persons who... who exactly. Who, who information, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you come to GradCo, that is something we would help you navigate, right? Um, and so I finished my pre-doc at Berkeley, and then I applied to a bunch of different PhD programs in economics, real estate, and finance in the U.S., um, for some reason, I had a lot more luck with finance. I think my research is more like financial economics, finance driven. Um, and so I got into a bunch of programs at Columbia, Cornell, UT Austin, wow. um, US, uh, US, some of the best business schools in, right. in the US. And I ended up choosing USC because I think the professors are there. So when you choose a program, unlike undergrad where everyone wants to go to an Ivy League or some brand name school, it's a little different for grad, for grad school where the rankings, they, they vary by field. And so the, rank, the, the, the rankings for anthropology or English, it's significantly different for something like business or economics. And so um, I really like the professors at USC. And I also love California because it reminds me a lot of Jamaica. And so ah, I wanted to stay. It's kind yeah. of laid back too, right? It's, it's so chill. People are like going slow and go to the beach. It's, I don't know. I, I love being here. Um, it doesn't snow, which is also super helpful. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I was like, you know, I'm going to move to LA and go to USC. My oldest nice. son loves LA. He, well, con- he likes it a lot. Well, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, congrats. So, Thank how you. long will your PhD take you to do to finish? So, um, on the PhD nowadays. You actually, I haven't started it yet, right? So, no, yes. right. Yeah. So, I started this fall. Um, and the PhD nowadays takes five to seven years. I'm hoping to finish as soon as possible. I, I want to be in and out just because I struggled a lot with deciding whether I wanted to do a PhD or not. Um, but one of the main reasons is, is when you grow up not from like the most advantaged background, you kind of want money and quickly. Um, and PhD students don't really get that much money for their skill level or the human capital that they've developed over the years and their, their training. And so when you, I had an offer from my Bank of America, for example, to work with them full-time in research. And so comparing that with, you know, struggling for five years as a PhD student, you really have to be passionate about what you do. And so I'm looking forward to being done as soon as possible so I can really start, you know, achieving some of my bigger goals uh, in life. And what, what are some of those bigger goals? Yeah. yeah, what are some of those bigger goals? Yeah, you know, I think well, I'm figuring that out. so big already. 
Yeah, you know, I think I'm figuring that out um, every day. If you, if you asked me three months ago that I would have founded Gradco today, I would have been like, that's, it makes sense, but it's kind of insane, you know? Um, and so my bigger goal is, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm always thinking about politics um, in the I last... I was thinking, I, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was, the, last... as, as soon as I saw you and yeah. started talking to him, I'm like, hmm, politics, mm-hmm. Minister of yeah. Finance sitting right here. I know. So that is something that I have on my radar, um, Minister, Minister of Finance particularly. I don't, I don't know about politics though overall just because I think I'm a very private person and I like to have my private life very separate from my work and, and public life. Um, but I do like someone like Nigel Clark, for example, who's a great job, Mark Golding, um, and they have great careers. In the last year and a half, I've had the chance to speak with Mark Golding um, specifically, and that's really kind of encouraged me to Fantastic. keep the door open. Yeah. Um, but as it relates to other goals, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I know I want, my most immediate goal is to get my PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want the, the PhD because it, it opens so many other doors, right? Um, and all the things that I want to do kind of require having a PhD. And it's always, it's also just like a good thing to kind of fall back on if entrepreneurship or, you know. You fall back on you your know? PhD, yeah. But well, it, yeah, so, it opens doors. It, it does too. Exactly. So coming home mm-hmm. definitely is in the cards at some point. Yes, I mean, I I would really love to live in Jamaica. I want, I want to live in Jamaica, but I, I think it's optimal to kind of start my career in the U.S. Of course. Um, I mean, this is not to say that, you know, Jamaica doesn't have anything to offer. It has so much to offer, but I think just as you're just like widening, widening your horizons. Of course, of course. course. Get of all course. that experience, yeah. absorb yeah. Yeah. all the information and bring it home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, the networking, the people that you meet from, you know, so many yep. different countries and different experiences, yep. it could mm-hmm. be valuable to you. Exactly. And so, no, Gradco. Gradco. So that's actually, it's funny that you said that because how it's how Gradco started was I was working with Amanda, who is the founder of College Co. I work with her as an assistant college advisor and SAT um, verbal tutor, right? Uh, And so I tutor um, Kaylin for verbal. (laughs) And so, I was just, but as I was doing that, I was also applying to grad school for PhDs. And so I was like, you know what? I could really help people interested in business school. And so initially, I only wanted to help people interested in business school or, you know, real estate, finance, economics, that kind of thing, public policy, and those like adjacent fields. Mm-hmm. And then the more I started talking to people, my, one of my good friends was like, oh, I could do, I could do law. I could do English. I could do, you know, STEM kind of thing. And I, for some reason, almost all of my friends are pursuing, all my close friends are pursuing PhDs or masters or some graduate degree. And so it was really easy to find a network of people who I trust and could bring on to help. But the name specifically, I actually wanted to call it Grad Pro, as in graduate professionals. And then I was talking to Amanda, she's like, you know, what if you call it Grad Co? That'd be really good for branding. And that's kind of how the, the name came about. But I think grad co it stems from something I realized personally. I went through a process um, to kind of prep me to enter undergrad in Jamaica, and I'm a little bit, I'm a little aware of um, like what is being offered now in Jamaica, and it's extremely flawed. I think when you think of graduate school, it's it's a very niche thing. I I for example can't advise someone who's interested in anthropology or international relations. But I can't advise somebody who's interested in economics because that's it's a very niche thing. And so with grad school, professors who have their PhDs who are experts in your field 
review your applications. It's not like undergrad where trained college professionals review applications. So you really need somebody who is exposed in that field to advise you. And, and that's what I think is lacking from Jamaica now. And what I think GradCo does, it, it developed this really impressive network of professionals that we can leverage to do so many other things, right? Um, I've had people reach out to me asking me for help applying for jobs in the US. Um, I've had recruiters from companies in the US reach out wow. to me to hire, yeah, to hire Jamaican talent. Um, they want Jamaican developers who can work remotely. They want high school students to give them internships, that kind of thing. And so it's, it, it grad code now is a Even lot. Even looking for an internship. <laughs> hey, I mean, if he's interested in marketing or, well, if he's in my advisor group, I sent out something about marketing and like that kind of thing. So I'm always looking to kind of network and, you know, talk to people. And the other thing is, I've attracted other people who want to work with me as consultants as well. So I just hired somebody, his name is Shakir, I think, who is now at Johns Hopkins doing a PhD in biomedical engineering. He saw the, the, the profile, he reached out, and I was like, you're so impressive, please work with me. Um, and so- I love that, I love that. Yeah. And so I think it's, there is a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an obvious need, I think, for these kind of services in Jamaica, and I'm happy to kind of spearhead that. Yes, clearly. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I was honestly surprised. I was talking to Amanda, and she's like, listen, um, try not to grow too quickly, too fast, because it can become very overwhelming very quickly. Um, and so I know many people are interested. I do know that like, the cost can be a hurdle for many people. And so I, you know, launched what we call the Radco Fellowship to kind of help people who can't necessarily afford the service, but would really like to go abroad to kind of continue their education. And so many people have applied uh, for that as well. And so if, if, if anything that says that there is uh, just an, like an egregious need basically for this kind of service, and I'm happy to kind of be the one or so at least to- what is the cost to apply for your mm -hmm. services? So it does depend on the specific program that you want to do. Um, we offer test prep and we do offer consultation. So for test prep, that's for GRE, GMAT, LSAT, or MCAT, um, for law school, business school, or med school. And so for those, it ranges from about 900 USLs to, I think, 1,000. Okay. But still, that's, that, that's still about 50% below our local competitors. So it's, it's, there's a price tag, but it's still significantly below market. And then for consultations, it's, I think, I think about $50 per hour, per hour or um, I think 1,000 USLs on limited consultations. Um, that is also below market because in the US, for example, they would there are people who charge you $400 per hour, like between $400 and $800 per hour, or like $8,000 just to help you with three schools kind of thing. And so we're definitely below market, um, which I'm very happy to do because for me, I've never come to the grad school as like, this is going to be like my, my, my main like source of income, where my main like, my, my, I'm dedicating my entire like focus to this. It's more, there is a need. I can help people meet their goals and also get some income on the side as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, if anybody's listening to this and it's the, the cost is a burden, then shoot me an email. I'm very happy to kind of talk to you um, about that. We will be getting lots of emails from this. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a quick question. I'm going to divert a little bit. Um, you've spent a lot of time studying um, finances, clearly, where, where your main interest is. Mm -hmm. I read a little bit about real estate and I'm seeing something about um, housing economics, mm -hmm. labor economics, inequality and real estate. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm not quite sure what mm -hmm. that means. 
Yeah, that's such a great question. Oh, so like um, it is a lot. And so the I really can't. Right? Yes, yes. So that's what I'm interested in, right? And yeah. so I think when we think of finance, we think of money and think of you know entrepreneurship and business and firms, <clears throat> but there's a whole set of finance that affects people. So like household finance, right? So how does your house manage its mortgages and its debt and its expenses, its income, investments and that kind of thing. And so while I was at Berkeley, I was working on this insane project that essentially documented a racial gap in housing returns in the US, which is to say, if you are an African-American compared to a white American, and the same applies for Hispanic Americans as well, you're, if you think about houses as an investment, the return on that investment is significantly lower for Black Americans and white Americans. And that stems from very systematic things that we showed in the paper. And that, that kind of really was my foray into this idea of like how housing economics and how that relates to people and inequality, that kind of thing. Now, the same thing can be said for Jamaica. And that's actually what I want to focus my PhD on. And I, have, I, I feel a hurdle with that. I kind of want to think of the housing market in Jamaica. My, my current paper looks at the Jamaica Stock Exchange, which is the first paper, I think, in the last 20 or so years to do that. Um, but I had a significant hurdle. I was essentially ghosted by this company in Jamaica that carries the real estate data. And I think it speaks to a bigger problem of in Jamaica, we're not really on the data wave as yet. So we don't really value data as much as it should or electronic access, that kind of thing. And so to, to saying to a company that, listen, if I have your data, I can not only offer insight to you and your business practices, but I can also have this research that benefits everyone and all Jamaicans. But I, I, I have a roadblock there. Inform decisions um, with that data. But I think, exactly. that's, I think that's, that's an issue with, with our system in general. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of companies don't invest. They don't see the need to invest in it. And even, mm -hmm. even as far as um, our government, I think, we don't mm -hmm. invest in a lot of, of data. And you know, a lot mm -hmm. of decisions can be made, better decisions can be made with that data. Yeah. I mean, Facebook, is it example, that you're scared of the data? Is it that it's going to, I, I, I I think, going to highlight, you know? Yes, I think it's, it's a, there's a little bit of concern. I think, especially for academic purposes, right. they're, they for example, I look at the research coming from um, Econ at UWE, they're not using these types of data sets, right? It's a very modern and no, novel thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so they're very surprised. They didn't even have like a package that they could offer me when I reached out to them. I had to literally like walk them through the process, send them examples from what we did here at Berkeley. But, and then still I was, I was ghosted. And when I got data from the Jamaica Stock Exchange the first time, that was because I reached out to an alumni of George's, um, the then PSOJ president to, to kind of add some credibility to me to be like, right. listen, he's a student. He's on this mentorship from this professor. He wants to do that to kind of build, give us into more insight. And that's why I got it. And so I'm hoping, you know, for Jamaica where data can be more accessible. I think we are, we are, we are our data. We are our cell phones. We are our Google searches. We are, you know, so many things. And it's, we're, I think we're missing out on so many key, like policy implications and insights by not kind of crossing this hurdle. Really? Mm -hmm. So you're going to move away now and do something on real estate, you said? Is that? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out the, what is the exact intersection? And so if you think of like a mortgage, that, that's the intersection of housing, real estate, and finance. But also if we look at like how it differs for different races or classes or addresses kind of thing, that adds inequality. And so I'm trying to find and kind of narrow down that niche, um, which, I, which is why I'm excited to kind of start the PhD. 
um, it's gonna see how that process goes. So it, you you have you have grad school, you have your um, you're working towards your PhD program. Mm -hmm. When do you find time just to chill? And and if you and if you do find time to chill, what <laughs> that's a great question. So um, I I work out every morning. So nowadays I'm trying to go to the gym five days a week. And so I have like a fitness page where I post or oh, checking in this morning with my with my friends day one of five kind of thing. So I work out every morning. Um, I I love going out to restaurants. Eat. I, I I really try to prioritize like free time. And so I'm a foodie. And so um, every 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 weekend, me and my friends um, will like go to a new restaurant or, or somewhere. Um, I love I love to make music. And so I have like I have one of my closest friends is from Madagascar, and we have just so many like recorded videos of like him playing guitar or piano or me singing kind of thing. Um, and, and so that's been pretty cool. singing, him singing, wow. Yeah, yeah, and so I sing. Uh, I've actually done, I've done a lot of singing for Jamaica and myself. And so I'm Catholic and I went, I grew up Catholic and I'm a cantor at church, which just means I lead like, lead, like the singing with um, the choir. And I have like sung with Kevin Williams um, on his trip to like Naples in Florida. I've been to France with him to, to sing, to kind of raise money for um, the churches, I think in January too. Um, and so I really enjoy singing. It kind of like calms me down. Um, it's also just fun. Uh, I mean, in, in another world, I think, or in another life, actually, I, I would study music and French. Okay. I really do enjoy, I, I really do enjoy those two things. But I kind of need to make money and have earned money. So, yeah. And so I, so I actually, when I applied to colleges, I applied for French. I didn't even apply for econ or finance. I wasn't. I, my, I took my first econ class in college. I had no idea what economics was before that. Really? Um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Why, and why I also like Spanish. We tend to push Spanish more because Cuba being too close yeah. to us. Why French? That's true. Spanish. So I um, was assigned French when I was at George's actually. In grade seven, I was assigned one of, the, one of those courses. I was assigned French um, and I, I, I kind of just stuck with it. I really liked it. Um, I got to travel to France while I was in high school for some competition that I won. Um, and then I had a really good teacher who just pushed me to kind of do more. And so I- Yes, for sure. Yes, oh, Madame Wong, if you listen to this, I shout out to you because she's just, an amazing teacher. She pushed me to get this certificate from the Ministry of Education um, in France um, that certifies like your level of um, of French. And so when I, in college, when I then decided to study abroad in Paris for a semester, I didn't have to take like a placement test, like an English placement test because I already had this degree from high school um, that kind of helped me for that. And so, yeah, I, I also love traveling. Um, next week, I should be going to Rwanda. And then right after that, I'm going to Jamaica. So I've been in Jamaica for a few days, I think. Um, I, I think 10 days. And so I love traveling. Um, and so I, try to, I try to do that as much as I can as well. Even if that's, if it, if that's in like, like Jamaica or in California, um, going to the beach, that kind of thing. So no, I do make time for studying. So one thing I tell my friends that, listen, in, in undergrad, I was very much a nerd, but I, I did have a lot of fun. So in undergrad, I would be in the library on a Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. No, wow. that, that was that was non-negotiable. But is it 10 p.m.? And the only reason I, the only reason I left at 10 p.m. was because the library closed at 10 p.m. But um, Alvin, <laughs> no, you know, you see 10:30 or 11 p.m. There we had a place called Portlock, which is like the black students' like house. 
I would be in Port Lock dancing to every single song. I'd be the DJ sometime <laughs> with my friend. At 10.30. And so, yeah, 10 to, so there, there is balance. I'd be in the library from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. But the minute 10, 10 p.m. comes, I'm on my way to some party or some event or some hangout kind of thing. And so I do think there is balance. But I just think that now, um, and it's something I tell like my niece, for example, who's right now who's in college, that your education comes first. You know, I don't have as many things to fall back on as, as other people. So I kind of had to kind of, you know, put my education first. And I have no regrets to this day for doing that. There's no party that I regret not going to. But I definitely would have regretted not graduating from, you know, from college. Well, wow. I like that. That's actually excellent. I mean, I, I, that's something that um, I think the younger ones that, can, that are listening, that hopefully will be listening to your, to your podcast mm-hmm. and probably reach out to you for help. Um, I think that is so important. You, you won't regret not going to a party, <coughs> but you may regret not doing well on an exam. Mm-hmm. So put your yep. first. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. And I love the fact that you're having this um, this program now because I think it's needed because there's a lot. Like I know my older son, a lot of his friends are graduating or graduating next year, and then it's when they mm-hmm. graduate, it's like okay, what do, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think people tend to think of getting into college more seriously, especially in Jamaica, like undergrad. But then for master's programs, we kind of drop the ball um, and kind of we're a bit more relaxed or chill when really it's just as competitive, even more competitive. Um, a program like Burger, for example, will take three people out of a thousand people applying, right? Just three people. And so one thing I did realize, though, is that it's not hard. It's just information and it's knowing the right information. Um, one thing I noted when I was applying to internships, for example, in the U.S., is that all the Chinese students at Lafayette and almost all the colleges I, I, I knew of, they had essentially these pipelines of, all right, I did internship this year. I'm going to set up my friend next year to do it. I'm the same person, the same for the next year and successive years. But nothing like that was happening for Jamaicans in the U.S., right, who I knew. Like, I, knew I know so many people working at Goldman, at Bank of America, at Bain, at the IMF, at some of these big companies but there are no pipelines to kind of help younger Jamaicans access that. And I think this is really, this is really my larger goal for college school to kind of have a Jamaica success story where, you know, we can have people kind of helping others do this, accomplish their like same success. Yeah. So why do you think that Jamaicans don't have that network? Is it, is it because that, we are an island, we're smaller. I've, I've often considered this and there's mm-hmm. such a competition mm-hmm. among people. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It's like we're at, we have a small pool, so everything must be guarded for individuals. Mm-hmm. It's like the scarcity mindset that we have. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's we're socialized and conditioned that way. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I think that's slowly changing though. I hope, I hope. I think well, so. With people like Calvin with, doing yeah. it for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's changing too. I really, I can't understand why it happened, but I do know people want to change it. I also think that it's over the last couple of years that we've really seen this like massive influx of students going abroad or professionals going abroad. The global economy has also changed. And so, you know, like you can work for Google from Jamaica kind of thing. And so that opens the door. It, it, it makes it a bit more tangible for people in Jamaica who want to go overseas by having so many more people there and just does the landscape changing of like work from home or 
having online, you know, not in-person opportunities as and well. And the pandemic as well, a lot of changes took place. Oh yeah, I mean, for example, I'm running Radco from California. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm having all my meetings online. I'm hiring people online. So, yeah. I mean, there are definitely some drawbacks to the pandemic, but it definitely has kind of pushed technology um, on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, working it to our advantage. So, yeah. Calvin, your your story is incredible. You, I'm so happy that you've started this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this business. Like, do you think I'm very inspired by and it. you? And you know, when I went to my nephew's graduation in um, in Boston, I was mm-hmm. like, and you're on the campus. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I just love being on a college um, campus. Campus, like, I want to go back to school. But Mish, do you think that we can apply to Cradco? <laughs> and that was going to be something that's going to just push in by the side because I want to do my PhD. So I think mm-hmm. I'm going to be consulting with you because honestly, I'm lost. I, I don't know mm-hmm. um, what angle to take. And as a result, it's, I mean, I'm, I probably haven't been as, um, as forceful as I should be in trying to get that information, but there's just so much information yeah. out there. It's overwhelming. And I'm like, okay, I'll check on it another time. And I, you know, I shelve mm-hmm. it and then I, it comes back up and then I shelve it again. No, I'm being serious because I've been wanting to do my PhD for, mm-hmm. for some time now, um, but I'm just not sure what is the best angle and how to do it. And, you know, um, but there's just so much information. I just don't know how to channel, you know, what I yeah. don't what I don't know. No, so, you're right. So there is a lot of information out there and it can be overwhelming and it makes you not want to kind of look into everything, right. which is why I think Gradco offers this structure. For example, um, one of the things I offer well, that I kind of implemented was when you sign up with us, you have 10 set meetings for each meeting. Um, and that's the bare minimum that we offer. Like when you, each meeting is geared towards something else. So the first meeting can just be figuring out what programs match your profile. The other one can be choosing those programs like specific schools that match those programs. And then it can be your CV, your personal statement, your statement of purpose, your diversity statement, um, your mock interview, um, applying for fee waivers. All those things are structured into when you come to us. But you're, you're, you're right in that, you know, um, I don't think it's too late for anyone to go to grad school. In fact, I think there is a comparative advantage um, when you have a unique profile, such as, you know, being out of school for some time or just <laughs> having left <laughs> <like> school uh, <laughs> you <think laughs> no, for some time, you know. Well, no, and so um, I think, but, but those are also things that you need to sell properly. In that, the, the in that the, the more traditional candidate, somebody who's come from some Ivy League college and just left their protege, they're doing well, and they, they apply to grad school. But diverse, like grad schools nowadays, are actually big on diversity, and you know the the political argument for that is another discussion, but it's to the benefit of anyone who comes from a background that is not generally represented. So either, you know, you come from a non-traditional education in that, for example, Colombia, for example, has these programs specifically for people who've been away from school for, I think, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> We're in. You know, so, so Colombia, I know Colombia automatically has one of those programs, even for undergraduate students mm-hmm. as well. And so it's never too late. In fact, I am 25 years old right now. And I am the youngest person in my cohort. Everybody else has like worked for five years or have like two masters or has like a JD or an MBA or something. And I literally, I just have an undergraduate degree. Um, I haven't really had a real job yet. Um, and I'm pursuing my, my PhD. And so I think 
the door is open for anyone who wants to walk yes. through it. Yes. That's the diversity for sure. And now that there and now I think there are more online programs too, right? So Yep. Oh, so especially for business school, the humanities I think is catching up slowly. Um, for business and social sciences, for sure. Online and the, the good thing is that they're also respectable programs. It's not like before. I think and that's also the benefit of the pandemic in that before online programs were like a you know. And it's a, a cheap way to kind of get the same degree. And they weren't as respectable. But nowadays, um, many, many schools are offering these online programs that are extremely respected um, as well. well. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we need some, some tips from you, Calvin. I mean, I, there, there's just so much right. information that you're sharing with us. And I mean, we mm-hmm. could talk to you for hours and hours. And I know how you love an academic mission. I, I do. <laughs> I, I'm not an academic <laughs> myself, but I, I love the, the conversations with with, with them um, and I'm truly truly enjoying this conversation with you mm-hmm. and at 25 you have achieved a lot oh thank you <laughs> so congratulations very pat, impressive pat yourself on the back well you're too kind and, <laughs> and your mother must be so mm-hmm. proud because yes. we're proud of you yes. mm-hmm. oh no I I spoke to her today and yeah I I love my mom <laughs> no, we, could, we can tell we can tell so do you have any tips you want to leave us with Calvin um so I guess I'd say, well, I actually heard this recently. I forget where I heard it, but I like putting myself in situations that make me uncomfortable. Right. Um, and, and by that, I mean about three main things. One is with my friends that I keep around me. Um, one of my closest friends is this white guy from um, Port Washington in, in New York, who I never imagined we'd be close friends, but he's not my absolute closest friend now. Um, but when I started college, for example, you know, it was during the Trump election versus Hillary Clinton. It was very um, politically polarized and just tensions were high. It was very weird. It was very weird to kind of see that kind of um, friendship develop, dynamic develop. Um, but for example, also with your job, you know, give everything a fair chance, right? Give everything a fair shot with your friendships, with your job, with all your um, adventures and pursuits. For example, when I was interning at Bank of America, I, I knew going in that I would not like it. I knew I would not like sitting at my desk, looking at a screen, trying to make a, a Wall Street firm money and had no impact on the world whatsoever. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend these 10 weeks at this internship and do it and then decide after that and not you know, prevent myself from even having to decide. And so I don't think, yeah, I think just give everything a fair shot. Um, and then at worst, you'd have a good experience. And at best, you have what you wanted from, from, from the get-go. Um, and then I, I like saying to just choose yourself first. Um, mental health is important. Um, I don't think we underscore that enough in Jamaica. Fortunately, nowadays, I think it's taken up a lot of our outer space for, for people. Um, but choose yourself first. Um, whether that means like going to the gym every morning or setting like these like short-term goals to work out once this week or learn a language or sign up for that meeting you've been you know waiting for or get that thing crossed off your to-do list or whatever um choose yourself first i don't know how to kind of articulate that beyond that but right it's a, it's yeah, a personal think, choice but just mm-hmm. choose yourself first that's yeah and it's, it's an important thing um mm-hmm. you see that all the time like as a coach is that the people that just don't show up for themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're the ones that need the help the, the most. most. And it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. just choose yourself, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Again, that's conditioning. No, that's conditioning because you're, you know, we're socialized to think that's being selfish, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. But then we don't realize just how important it is because if you don't, mm-hmm. you don't choose yourself first. You can't help anybody else. And I mean, even on an aircraft, they tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> no, exactly. Yourself first. So, so Calvin. But before you go, will tell us about your Instagram page for um, yes, grad how can we find you. Oh yes, so Gradco's Instagram is just Gradco, G-R-A-D-Q-U-O. Um, we post a bunch of advice there, all that we have to offer, and our website is just gradco.com. Perfect. I loved your reel about. Yeah, we're uh, watching your reel. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So that's a good content. So Calvin, you have your mom in Jamaica. You know, have two other aunties and <laughs> right here. no thank you we're thank you because we're, we're, we're really really excited and we want to know mm-hmm. what's going on with you so we're going to keep in touch yeah and i can't wait till he's the can't minister wait. of finance can't wait uh, no absolutely i'm happy to have two more people to be accountable to um, oh, here you go <laughs> no, thank, thanks so much for having me thanks a lot all right okay take care take care thanks for tuning in to this episode of what the 50 Please show your love and encouragement by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram. And please join our active Facebook group at what.the50.